Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Wow, that was amazing. Literally amazing. It's hard to follow that. (laughs) Thank you, praise team, for your commitment to leading us in music and worship. Thank you for sharing your gifts and your talents with us, all for God's glory. For those of you, um, I, I need to apologize. I, I was having some te- technical difficulties. Go figure. Um, the guy that is the one that you go to because you have technical problems was having technical problems during the prayer time. Um, so I want, I, I want to reassure you, um, the congregation, that there are, is a prayer team that captures all of our prayer requests every Sunday morning, and uh, we pray regularly for you. So know that uh, in my inadequacy, and um, we are... We are We're interceding on your behalf. So um, thank you for being gracious to us in this time. And thinking about being gracious in this time, I, I don't know about you, but I'm looking around the world and it is absolutely a mess. This world is absolutely a mess. It started with the coronavirus back, you know, February, March. Some people think back in December or even November last year. But I, I started watching this this virus sweep through our, our world. And I, I got tipped off to Johns Hopkins. Um, they had this map, and they probably still have it. And when it first started, there were these little red dots just all around the world. And, and they were recording all of the outbreaks in the world. And as I watched this day after day and week after week, these little dots became big spots And it was almost as if I was reliving my middle school years playing video games, and it was an apocalypse. I'm watching this map just turn red right before my eyes. I'm going, what is happening to this world? Not only that, right? And now we're we're looking at the world, and I haven't been able to watch basketball in months. And I'm going through withdrawals. ESPN, it's like the same video clips over and over. I'm like, come on, you got to show me something different for crying out loud. But they've shut down all sporting events. There's no athletes to, to enjoy the, the, the athletic games and the, the athleticism that they have been gifted with. Not only have we shut down sporting events, but we've... Schools went to distance learning. Students are now learning at home. And that's not easy with three. Not only that, we're, we're experiencing it this morning as... Church doors are closed as I, I watched and listened to our, our, uh, our, our governor say we're turning the dial down because of the increased number of outbreaks in California. And I'm thinking, you can turn the dial down, but that does not ever dim the bright light that is shining in the church today because the church is alive and well. God is faithful. Restaurants are now seating out, sit, um, they have seating outside so you can enjoy a, a wonderful meal outside. And now districts are looking at what school might look like in the fall and they're making decisions. And, and just as I think things couldn't get any worse, the riots start happening. Not only riots, but protesters, looting is taking place, shootings are taking place, violence is happening all around the world. And I'm thinking, What is happening? 
In the midst of these protests, they're demanding justice. They're, they're, the demand for racial equality. And it seems like the world is being pulled apart. And I'm wondering, where is the hope in all of this? I'm starting to see signs on a regular basis. Everywhere I turn, Black Lives Matter. I'm, I'm reading articles about critical race theory, and they're introducing me to new terms like white guilt and, and white adjacent and white privilege. And I don't know what to do with all of this. I hear the word privilege, and it just rubs me the wrong way, and I'm reading that that's because I'm white adjacent. And I'm going, oh, okay, thank you for telling me who I am. And I'm trying to figure this all out, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. Privilege. And I'm, I'm thinking about the passage that we're looking at this morning in, in Romans. And, and certainly the Jews felt privilege. And rightly so. They were God's chosen people. God set them apart to be a priest, a holy nation unto the world. What a beautiful place to be, to be in a position of honor that God calls them, elects them by God's sovereign mercy and compassion. That's what we read last week. And Paul gets back to this. He gets back to the verses and the point that he's making in Romans chapter 9. In verses 6 through 13, he's, he's making the point that God's call is the sole basis for inclusion in the true people of God. And his point, his point is what counts is grace, not race. And he comes back to this point, and it's the passage where we pick up in verse 24. We're in chapter 9 of Romans. We're going to begin in verse chapter 24. And uh, if you have, if you got your Bible at home, pull it up, great. We'd love to have you follow along. <laughs> I still love what Pastor David says if you're in the sanctuary. Uh, it's on page 801 or whatever page it's on. I still think that's pretty funny. Uh, but we're, here it is. Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Even us, whom he has called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And it will happen that in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, and they will be called sons of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved for the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. I'm thinking a couple of things in this passage. I'm thinking about the audience that's listening in, that's hearing this letter that Paul wrote to them. I'm thinking about the audience as being Jewish Christians and how they might have heard and received this message from Paul. I'm also thinking about the Gentiles who have now have heard this message 
and how they would have internalized and processed this. As Paul looks back at the Old Testament to show them that it's grace, not race. So I think about those two questions. How does the Gentile, the church, is growing. Gentiles are coming over and over again. We see this in the churches that Paul writes letters to, that the Gentiles are coming to Jesus. And this is a wonderful problem to have. And they're celebrating God's grace. No longer are the Gentiles the outliers because God's call my people. God calls my people who are not my people. And he calls them my loved ones who are not my loved ones. Another way of saying this is the Gentiles are in the family of God. Because we learned earlier, and Paul says, I will, he says, he quoting, quoting the conversation that Moses has with God, I, and God says, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And God is choosing the Gentiles. Because that was the original plan from the beginning. And they're thinking, as Pastor David says, whoop, whoop. And they're celebrating because now what was no longer there, what they no longer had access to, now they have access to God's grace. The challenge, though, is if we're paying close attention to the Hosea prophecies, they're about God's mercy shown to the rejected northern tribes of Israel, not the Gentiles. Hosea is talking to the northern tribes of Israel, not Gentiles. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute here. Did Paul do something wrong? Did he miss the point here? Did, did this Hebrew of Hebrews, this Old Testament scholar, miss something here? Oh, I, I can't think he did. I can't think he misappropriated the Old Testament so that he could prove his point the way he wanted to. I think he was demonstrating and showing us the big picture of God's sovereign grace starting with Abraham as the key. He did that at the very beginning of chapter 9. That the Jews have the patriarchs to claim the word of God is theirs. And Paul setting the quote against this large picture of salvation history. And it's the key to understanding Paul's mindset. And his focus is on Abraham. For remember, it was Israel that had the promise. It was Israel that had the very word of God. And then Paul reminds and shows us that Paul points to Abraham's descendants who are reckoned and included in the family of God the Gentiles, that God's grace and mercy and compassion extends to the Gentiles. And they're still thinking, oh, praise be to God. The point about Hosea's prophecies, they echo the Abrahamic promise and the covenant found in Genesis chapter 12 where God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Woot, woot. How exciting is that? 
that the Gentiles are now included in the family of God. And they can't help but say how wonderful God is. No longer are they excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners, but now they're included in the promise. And they've got to be celebrating. And remember, I said there's two groups of people. There's the Gentiles and then there's the Jewish Christians. So how are now the Jewish Christians understanding this message? Are they feeling a little bit rubbed the wrong way? Maybe. Because they hear a message. That's a pretty firm message. After showing the church in Rome why the Gentiles are included, it's equally important to show why not all the Jews are included. Remember Paul said earlier, not all Israel are Israel. Pointing to a spiritual Israel. And he goes on in Isaiah to focus on God's sustaining a remnant. And the concept of a remnant conjures up images of hope and judgment for the Jewish Christian. Judgment because the continuing sinfulness of Israel brought God's judgment on them and correction on a people as a whole, resulting in salvation for some. But remnant theology is a beautiful thing because it gives us hope as God maintains his covenant promise with us. His pledge to save spiritual Israel. That no matter how messy the world is, that God is faithful to his promises. And in the Old Testament, when you hear that God remembered, it comes quickly with God acting. As God heard the cries of his people in slavery in Egypt, it says immediately he remembered his promises made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then God acts through Moses. There is hope for us in the church that God is faithful to the covenant promise. And Paul is good, is a good covenant theologian. He doesn't know it. But he points us to the covenants of Abraham. He shows us. He goes, hey, look, though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only a remnant will be saved. You see, he puts a damper, a, a little damper on this or whatever privilege the Jewish Christians might have as they puff up their chests and think, oh, I'm so wonderful that God's chosen me. Of course we like being who doesn't like being picked first on a team? I never liked being picked last. In middle school, I was always the last, because I was the short guy, I was always the last one picked on the basketball team. Everyone wants to be picked first. Everyone wants to have this special place in honor. But God's calling us to a special place and a special relationship and it's calling us to live out that grace that we receive to others. That the, the blessings and the privilege that, that we have as children of God, out of that blessing that we receive and out of the place of honor that we're seated in, that God's asking us and asking Israel to be a nation of priests, to intercede 
on behalf of the world, the church, the congregation. I would imagine it's a bit of a shock, to say the least, to the Jewish Christians. Maybe a, a heart check, we might say. Maybe a, a check in the position, where do I find myself in relationship to God? And I think these words that Paul are speaking to the Jewish Christians are not easy words to hear. But that's how they hear it. How does the church hear it today? Do we think we have it all figured out? No, not us, right? I got my theology nailed down. I'm good, right? My practices, the style of music, that's the way to do it. Everyone should do it my way. Everyone's theology should match my theology. I don't think that's what God is calling us as a church to do. Perhaps Paul is saying to us, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Now, I know that's a misquote from a movie, Spider-Man. And it's, with great power comes great responsibility. But as I think about the one who sits at the right hand of God, what our Savior did for us. He left the highest place of honor and became a human being, a baby, a fragile human being to save us. And I think what Paul is saying for us, that God has called us and elected us to be his chosen people. And we should say, woot, woot. Thanks be to God. And then use that place of honor to bless others. To live a life worthy of the call that God has placed on us as his chosen people, his children, sons and daughters of God. I'm proud of our elders and deacons. And you should be too. You get a list of all of our elders and deacons in the, in the bulletin, and they are working tirelessly embodying what it means to be a child of God. Bringing meals, making phone calls, writing cards in a time where people are hurting and they need hope. And God has called them into leadership. And so I'm so thrilled by the work that they are doing. I'm thrilled by the work that our staff is doing, working tirelessly day in and day out. To bring encouragement and hope to those that God has entrusted us with. And we're led by example as we celebrated, celebrate Sue's ministry here. And Pastor David was right. She doesn't just, she didn't just love us well. She continues to love us well. I think God is calling us to a place in which the world is an absolute mess and it desperately needs hope and assurance. And we get to be that message of hope to the world. Living out our lives with gentleness, living out our lives with compassion because we know what compassion looks like 
because we received it when God called us because he loved us first. I think that's what Paul would say to us in this passage. That yes, you are called as beloved children of God. Live according to the call that God has placed on your life. Pouring out mercy and compassion because we received it first. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. It's times like this that um, we can't pass an offering plate because you're not here. (laughs) Um, And so we want to encourage you to continue worshiping God and giving God's tithes and our offerings. So um, as you're watching wherever you are, there's an opportunity to give on our homepage. There's a give button, and we'd encourage you to to continue your worship this way through giving God's tithes and our offering. As we continue our our ministry here at Coronado at the corners of 10th and C to reach more and more people with the gospel, I'm reminded of this, right? God's call in our life in the church is to be the light of the world. Not a flashlight that beats people up with the flashlight. We're to be the salt of the earth. And how do I do that? It starts with me. Uh, recently, actually last Friday, a, a great theologian passed, uh, J.I. Packer. Uh, he wrote a tremendous a tremendous amount of books and articles and was a prolific theologian and a great scholar. But as I was reflecting on his, his work and reflecting on his relationship with others, someone said something like this about him. They said, J.I. Packer is a benediction to all who is with him. It starts with me. It starts with God's spirit working in me, shaping and molding me as the potter shapes the clay. And J.I. Packer lived a life worthy of the calling placed on him as a benediction to all who was around him and spent time with him. And so my challenge for you as we send you out And send each other with the benediction of Aaron to keep that in mind as you're spending time with God in God's word and you're spending time with your families to be a benediction to them.